Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 23 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your valuable time here with us. Today's guest is Conrad Stell from conradstell.com. He is a multidisciplinary freelance designer focusing on branding. He's got a soft spot for branding. I've known Conrad for a couple of years. We first met when he was working in the cannabis industry. Um, He was a designer for a company that made fertilizers um, and uh, products like that for that industry specifically. I really enjoyed my conversation with Conrad. And one part that stuck out to me is when he shares with us when he first started noticing design out in the world. And it came from the cereal box aisle and cereal box design and what was calling to him as a kid and why it was calling, uh, you know, why it was talking to him. I'm sure we've all had similar experiences. For me, it was tricks. Tricks were just for kids, but now they're not. They are not just for kids. Enough serial talk. Let's get right into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Conrad Stell. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a quickie? Conrad, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Conrad, you ready for a quickie? I am. Attaboy. (laughs) (laughs) Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, hey, my name is Conrad Stell. I'm a uh, Vancouver Island born uh, and raised. I moved to Vancouver seven or eight years ago, worked in film for a couple of years, and have been professionally designing for about six or seven years now and designing as a hobby since, I don't know, for 10 plus years. Um, yeah, my focus is our branding and web design. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the gist. Perfect. And you and I first met when you were working in the cannabis industry. Uh, locally here and do you still do a lot in the cannabis world or beverage where you where are you putting your efforts these days uh you know my efforts these days i'm i'm focusing a lot on my personal projects um me and my friend are launching um uh a tungsten ring like a wedding band uh e-commerce store for men sometime in the next week or two it's called dark and volfram um so feel free to go check those out. Uh, we have six bands that we'll be selling starting the beginning of June. And then I've been focusing on um, also in real estate, actually. Very cool. Yeah. So what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood? And if you did, what made it so? You know, what's funny is I never really considered myself uh, like people always talk about, oh, they were a prodigal, you know, creative or whatever. They were drawing dragons when they were six years old and doing all these things. And I never thought of myself that way as being creative when I was young. But then uh, I was always a problem solver. Like I was the one who was picking up everything on computers before everyone else in my family. And, uh, you know, I look back and I find all these sketchbooks of like, you know, scribbles or whatever. So I guess I was always drawing as a kid, but I just kind of assumed that most kids kind of had that you know, creative flair when they're that young, but, um, free spirited creativity. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I was like, uh, you know, people weren't like, Oh, he's going to be, you know, a designer or he's going to be an artist. You know, that was never like, 
you know, but then again, I was also in middle school. I was in a clay club and some other stuff that looking back were pretty like artsy and, uh, I mean, nerdy, but <laughs> not artsy. It's artsy for sure. <laughs> um, so what, then what do you think really led you to becoming a designer? Was there a key moment sort of throughout your younger years that pointed you in that direction? Yeah, I have kind of a funny story, uh, about how I originally got in design and, um, uh, for fear of sounding like a misogynist, just, uh, I was, I was like 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, essentially what happened was I was in a mini art nine class in grade nine and they had this thing where they like had you try out all these little versions of the electives before you took them in grade 10. Yep. So I had this art class and, um, I had this teacher, he was hilarious. He was like, um, uh, he was about to retire and he was, um, I don't know. We just clicked on some level. He was a nice guy. And, uh, I had, I was doing this drawing. We had to do uh, a line drawing of these plants and then we had to shade them and I'm terrible at shading. So I shaded half of it and I brought it up to the front to the teacher and I was like, just bullshitted my way through it. I was like, Hey, mm-hmm. I, uh, I really like the way this looks and the composition blah, blah, blah. And, uh, just to get out of finishing it. And he told me, um, oh, you have an eye for design. You should be a designer. And I was like, well, what is it? What does that even mean? He's like, you should be in my design class next year. I was like, uh-huh. and he said, uh, well, we had, we need more guys. We had 30 girls and only one guy in our design class last year. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Sign me up, you know? And then, uh, from there I, uh, uh, yeah, I guess I, I kind of, uh, leaned from fine arts more into like doing artwork on the computer and that kind of led me to design. Mm-hmm. So take us back to when you first started noticing design sort of out in the world then. What did you start seeing? Design in the world. I think probably my first real interaction uh, with design would be on cereal boxes. Like you're young, when you're in the grocery store with your parents and you're looking at uh, different produce and stuff, the reason that you picked a certain cereal was because of the way it looked, right? Yep, yep. Um, So that that was kind of a, I guess that's probably the earliest I can remember. And then – what really got me like revved up and passionate about design was when I got into drinking craft beer in my, uh, you know, mid to late teen or sorry. Yeah. Late teens, you know, um, seeing the different labels and stuff on them. And then, uh, you know, band shirts as well. That's, I think that's a classic cause a lot of designers get into design cause they started doing band shirts for their friends, you know? Yeah. I've heard a couple of things like that. Yep. Yeah. So then what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something you've seen or something you've been a part of. Influential. Um, influential. Probably, uh, I mean, the most influential so far has probably been the, the entire process that went in behind. Uh, you had mentioned the, the job that where, we, where uh, the two of us had met is when I was working at Green Planet Wholesale. Um, mm-hmm. We were doing fertilizers for the cannabis industry. And we, while I was there, I did an entire rebrand of their 30-plus fertilizers. Mm-hmm. A- and that whole process uh, was very influential on everything I had done afterwards just because I had to really do dig deep and do a ton of research. I probably spent like six months to a year just trying to figure out um, – why products succeeded versus why products failed and then specifically in our marketplace and then kind of the process of like dealing with um you know multiple shareholders as well as uh, a massive client base like they already had um pretty passionate fans all over the world as internationally um known product right so um you know just to uh go through all that and kind of know uh, understand like consistency uh, but also in product design as well as having enough differentiation and just like finding that balance was really influential in, um, 
in in my design career. I guess just learning, like even just the process of learning how to do the research has really led me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I remember going through the, uh, those projects while you were you know knee deep in that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you ever run into creative blocks and how do you get past them? You know, I wouldn't say I get, uh, I wouldn't say I have any, I have creative blocks so much as, uh, I burn out. Um, like I always have new ideas. I'm always like coming up with stuff and writing things down and most of which never come to fruition or I like, you know, give them away or whatever. But, um, it's, it's actually the, the, I find more often I have so many ideas and I become overwhelmed and don't know where to start. And then I end up doing nothing for uh, pretty extended periods of time. And then just like kind of, it's kind of like a, you, you go into like a couple months where it's harder to force yourself to mo- or self-motivate and work on things that when you're at home and such. But, um, you know, it's, sometimes it just takes that break in order to refuel the passion and get back into it. I think surrounding yourself with other creatives who are also highly motivated and self-motivated and working on new projects that they're excited about is the easiest way to get past that. Also, if you experience creative blocks, then I, I think that the same applies that if, you know, if you're stuck on something, you see someone else that's passionate about what they do, then you, it helps you to uh, pursue what you're passionate about. For sure. Yeah. Excellent point. Um, so then what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Uh, why was it challenging and how did you get through it? I think, uh, I'd say some of my client experiences have probably been some of the most challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just working with people um, either before I fully knew the process or, you know, scope creep where you're working with somebody and then more work just starts creeping in and you don't know how to say no. I think I, I consider myself like a people pleaser. So I often make the mistake of saying yes when, uh, and, and getting underpaid as a result. And I think just learning to say no. And then also learning that like when it's appropriate to say yes in order to further your career or to do something nice for someone, you know, like if I don't have a ton of other stuff that I need to be getting to that will be paying bills, then maybe I will say yes to those one or two things. As long as it's clear that, you know, that's where it's got to stop. I'm not going to go past that. Excellent. Yeah. That client experience, especially, you know, early on in careers, um, you know, I feel like I almost say this in every episode, but when you're freelancing, especially that terms and conditions page is full of horror stories. Like there's a reason that that's put together, whether it be a learning curve from a mistake that you made or something that you found yourself into, um, from the client side that you just don't want to find yourself in again. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. So social media, um, do you feel that it's changed graphic design or the process of design and is that beneficial or harmful? The process of design. Um, that's an interesting question. I think that social media has made, uh, a large number of people, especially millennials, far more aware of the impact of marketing. And like, I think, uh, marketing in general used to be far more, um, subconscious in terms of like, you know, you pass the billboard, you see the, even online, you see the banner or whatever. And, uh, but nowadays with social media, it's like throwing it right in your face. It's always getting uh, it's getting more in front of you than it used to. Like I think the stats are you see like some crazy number of thousand ads a, a day or something or, you know, some insane number. Um, and you wouldn't be able to count those. You wouldn't even think about it how many times you see ads in a day. So I think uh, in terms of like humanity, it's probably a negative thing. Uh you know, seeing all that just social media in general, I don't think has been incredibly positive, but in terms of a business standpoint, it is. Um, and for design, I think it's probably, it's, it's created a ton of jobs. Like I know people that do 
designed for um, people's social media and content creation and stuff, right? Uh, and That's I've done a bunch point. of that myself. So, so I think uh, there's there's you know pros and cons in, uh, to anything, especially anything um, to do with technology these days. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. The you know opening up job opportunities because you know just a few years ago we weren't uh, designers weren't designing things for Instagram. No. So it's kind of added to you know the list of possible things that we could be creative for. I mean, even those little stories now where they have those highlights at the top, like those little bubbles, you see people who have designed them out. And that has a huge impact. If you look at someone's page and they have those professionally designed or whatever, it's like, and they have them, you know, they're all matching or whatever, have consistency, then um, I think it says something about the legitimacy of that channel or that business or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, and to so to that regard, I think that, like, it has increased the value. People uh, understand more the value of designing in their minds, especially millennials as a result. Man, that's so important. You know, the in the world of the, and I, I feel like I say this every episode too. You know, in the world of ninety nine designs and Fiverr, um, you know, explaining to um, entrepreneurs and other other young millennials, you know, starting in other um, other industries, the importance of design and good design and creative and having that, um, you know, creative sidekick uh, is huge, hugely important. Yeah, it's funny. I think like most people, the the easiest way I have of explaining to someone why five or nine nine designs are, uh, you know, maybe they're the right decision when you're first starting out and you have absolutely no money and you're completely bootstrapped. I think you're even better off like finding you know a nephew that's you know has our Illustrator before doing that. To be honest, because the easiest way I explain to people that it's a bad idea is I take the logo that they've already paid for and I put it in Google reverse image search and then I find it in 7,000 other spots on the internet, you know, like the copyright issues alone with, um, that I've seen from sites like those, it's like, it's not worth it. You know, Yeah, gotta be careful. I, I agree with you that they do serve a purpose and they do, um, you know, at a certain point in, you know, for example, an entrepreneur's development or the building of a business, um, there is a certain point where it can make sense. Um, I still think building those creative relationships uh, earlier on, um, you know, is, is beneficial too. Yeah. Yeah. So who's a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow and what is it about them that you like? Oh man. Uh, there's a, a lot of designers I follow. I don't, I wouldn't say I follow anyone too closely, but I, I jump in and out every couple of months and look at what people are doing and how they progress and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of designers that had a lot of impact on me, um, early on where uh you've probably heard this a, a million times by now but draplin uh oh. aaron james draplin from yep. the from uh, portland he's really i've got his book right here actually it's fantastic if you haven't seen it there you go shout Great. out that's free advertising draplin yeah and then i got another one here um john contino is uh i'm a big fan of him he um he's kind of like embodies the essence of of design in new york uh, and in Brooklyn and, uh, he's done a bunch of stuff for Nike and stuff. I just really love his like hand-drawn tactile field. Like he just was like, this is my style and people who want to work with me are going to work with me for my style. And so, uh, that's been a big influence for me, but also, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, Tobias Sven Schneider, who is the designer behind Spotify. Mm -hmm. Um, and he also creates this awesome product, uh, especially if you're a designer listening to this, you should check out uh, Simplice, S-E-M-P-L-I-C-E. -E. It's like a portfolio builder, uh, pen, uh, pentagram and a bunch of these big agencies are using it now. Um, it's just like the simplest way to get your portfolio out there and have it look nice and professional and awesome. So, uh, those designers are, are great. There's a bunch of illustrators I follow on dribble, like Alana Louise and Lauren Dickens, and they're fantastic. Um, 
the the hoods you probably heard amy and jennifer hoods uh hood they're great hood spa yeah that's great uh, yeah so they're, they're fantastic excellent resources and um you know, spots for inspiration right there definitely um, so take us to a specific project you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like and how did that feel? Oh, you know, I did this, uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention, uh, what it was exactly, but I did this project. Um, it was a really exciting new industry coming, uh, here to the, uh, to Western Canada. There was nothing quite like it out here. And mm-hmm. I met with this father and son team who were building it and, um, we we did the initial brief and I went away for two or three months and I built the whole brand uh, for this project and then I came back and uh, then the wife was a part of the 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 end meeting and uh, it kind of went off the rails just because I guess uh, you know I think with design a lot of it is about buy-in mm-hmm. and having people you know selling them on the design and the reason why it's the best design for what they're trying to accomplish That's the you reason. know. They're, yeah, their business goals and design is really just, uh, a solution to a problem using, you know, visual elements and to help, ex- you know, to describe that to someone who doesn't necessarily recognize uh, good design and to have them, uh, you know, you have to get their buy-in. So the father and son bought in and the wife didn't really understand the process and, uh, really wanted to go in a direction that I think would have been harmful for the, for their business, uh, especially just, you know, uh, so it, it went pretty south. Like I, I ended up, I got paid, which was nice, but I, I've never really felt good about the way it ended and they never ended up using the design of course. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, but I think I've learned a lot since then. And just like, uh, you, you really have to make sure you know who the shareholders are and make sure that they're all involved before you that stage. Cause just not knowing that she was going to be a part of it and then having her there in the end, made a huge difference because the father and son, they had seen it all along. They were stoked. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, so, what a, that's a careful balance because you get too many people involved and you're pulled in about 12 different directions. It's true. Yeah. And I, but I think that's where, you know, you have to establish in the beginning that you're the professional and that, uh, you have to gain their trust and their respect, uh, off the bat. And a lot of how I do that is in the initial meetings and I kind of make a decision as to whether I'm going to work with someone based on whether or not they think, I am the best person for the job, mm-hmm. you know, like if they don't, if they don't understand, if they're not going to respect that, um, it's my, that I'm the expert in this situation then I don't necessarily want to work with that person. Right. I mean, unless, and I find actually, uh, that oftentimes the more people pay you, the more that respect is just generated, like the more that they understand that you're the professional. A hundred percent. I agree. And that was, yeah, that was a lesson learned in my career, but that, um, you know, has done wonders for me just saying actually, no, like, uh, I'm worth more than, you know, than Fiverr, like, you know, makes people actually want to work with you more, which is so interesting. So yeah, I think just like, uh, I agree. The more people that get involved, the more money it gets. But I think as long as you can still establish to that group of people that you're, you know, or set up some form of, uh, you don't come in blind and you come in with like some kind of system where they can, uh, be in touch with you or have like one person that is the, you know, the go-to, yep. uh, then I found that that works pretty well. Actually, no, that's a good point. That's a good system to build. Um, so switching gears now to the happy side of things. <laughs> what project have you been a part of that you are the most proud of? One that makes your heart sing or the biggest design feather in your cap? You know, um, last year, me and six friends started a nonprofit out here in the Fraser Valley called 
uh, Love My City Week. We're not a registered nonprofit yet, but essentially it's just like a a week of events that we host uh, throughout the Tri-Cities. We were adding Pitt Meadows this year, so it'll be in Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, Port Moody, and Pitt Meadows. And essentially it's just, uh, yeah, a week of events where volunteers come out and help uh, do things that benefit the community. So, uh, last year we cleaned gravestones. We cleaned some public parks. Um, we're looking at possibly painting, uh, a church in Pitt Meadows this year. It's a heritage building. Um, and just doing things that, um, you know, make the community a nicer place to live and really bring people out and have people interact. And then we throw a big celebration on the last day. Um, so that's pretty cool. Like I built the website and did the branding and stuff for that. And we had a super short deadline and, you know, there's no money involved for any of us, but, just to kind of give back to our community and just to have the design out there and stuff. Sometimes that can be, um, you know, just as rewarding. That's awesome, man. I didn't know that about you. Congratulations. That's a great great project to undertake. Thanks. It's actually, uh, we have it, uh, our second year we're, we're doing it again this year. Um, and it's in July. So you can find more information at lovemycityweek.com. Um, yeah, so that that was a great project, but also, uh, I'd say in terms of like, design chops the feather in my cap would probably be that fertilizer that we'd mentioned earlier i think just the this scope just the you know the the ripple effect it had on the on the branding across the rest of the products in the company and kind of their attitude towards design changed i think after we launched that cool. and uh you know to have a product that's now uh, is recognized across the world is like is pretty cool you know yeah, that's uh, a really good one. That was, um, you know, not only the scope but the magnitude of that project on that. Oh, brand. it was and it was insane. The, fer- the fertilizers we had six sizes, and about th- I think it was thirty nine products. And because there was, uh, so I had to design at, because the proportions were actually different on everyone. They all had to be slightly redesigned. So it ended up being, uh, and there's a front label, for, back label for each. So there was like six hundred labels, I think, or something like that. Crazy. Something insane. Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was a massive project, but. You know, um, and I'm glad it's over, but it was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the way it all turned out. So awesome. That's a great one. Great points. So what piece of advice would you offer to new design grads, um, looking to make their mark in the industry? Oh gosh, there's so, uh, there's so many things that I wish people had ter- told me, you know, when I, uh, when I got into design, I think, uh, the biggest thing is don't undervalue yourself, yep. you know? Uh, know, know when you're done, you, you can stop taking those projects for exposure. I think that there's a place for that, like when you're first starting out, but I think that that quickly, uh, I should, I should have stopped doing that a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to respect you more, the more they pay you. Um, you know, what else? I mean, out of college, don't use, uh, don't use college projects in your portfolio. I would say. I would say uh, do the passion projects that you're the things you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Make side projects, make stupid little things, even if they don't get printed, or do print them even if they're not going to be for anything. Um, the things that you work on that you're passionate about shows that you you'll continue to evolve and, and learn more. The more you do, obviously, practice makes perfect. But also, the more stuff that you work on that's you're clearly passionate about, I think, is going to lead to better design. Um, and those are the projects that, uh, you know, I've, I've done hiring in, in the past. And, uh, I think those are the ones that really stood out to me is that someone, you know, isn't just doing design cause they're forced to do it or they're doing it for a grade. Like these people have done design because they would love to do it, you know, and they want to do good work. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Well said. So what is next in graphic design? Do you see or feel like there's any emerging trends? 
emerging trends. Uh, yeah, kind of I'd a say taboo question actually, but yeah, some people are pretty like uh, trends are the worst and whatever. I mean, I lean more towards like logo modernism myself, like doing things that are. Uh, I mean, that's why I think I'm such a big fan of Draplin is he, he relies a lot on design from the old world. And I think those ones, you know, never really go to style, like just those bold, uh, bold logos and stuff from the past. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that trends are moving away from this PNW crossed arrows, whatever kind of crap, if you know what I'm talking about, you know, like with the letter on one side and the other and like free logo generator or hipster logo generator. I think that's kind of what we're coming out of. And in terms of uh, big companies, we, we've had this trend, uh, everyone's kind of moved to this more friendly, lowercase, all lowercase, sans serif, you know, single color, whatever. If you go on uh, Under Consideration Brand New, there's that blog with Armin. I don't know if you've heard about it. Yep. And he, he uh, reviews all these um, these rebrands, right? And I think that his, uh, you know, you can see a lot of trends as they emerge there. And we're moving out of that now, I think, towards more uh, what I've seen described as human-centric design which is more like if you look at Typeform, I think they were one of the first websites to do it and where they've got like this logo. It's a circle around their T, but the circle kind of moves and they have these kind of like more natural flourishes on their website and hand-drawn items. And MailChimp just moved, I think, last year in the same direction and they hired an artist to do these like totally bizarre like pieces, these drawings all over the website and they're all animated, and they, but they work, you know, they're fantastic. They look really cool. And, um, I think tech companies is where I see like the most... Uh, the most use of trend, you know, design. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is hipster logo generator an actual thing? It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, so brutal. Oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, final question here. What is one design product tool website or a community <coughs> that you could not live without? Mm. Um, personally, I, I think Slack. It's, I mean, maybe it's not uh, design specific, but uh, oh, it's a tool. I, yeah, in the past I would have said Dribble probably, although I haven't posted on there myself in years. And I, I have this, uh, I kind of moved away from, I was looking at it every day for hours. And I kind of moved away from that because, uh, and Draplin I think says it really well. He says, you know, there's a time to look at cool shit and a time, uh, no, the line's like, stop looking at cool shit and start making more cool shit. You know, as opposed to like, I could look at inspiration all day, but if I'm not applying what I'm learning and actually designing stuff, then I'm not getting any better and I'm not making anything cool. You know, like, like find your own style, like go out and just do stuff. But eventually you're going to find, make something that strikes a chord with people. Um, so yeah, I, uh, the Slack has been a huge one because I have a number of uh, friends that are designers and we all, it's called design jams. We just all hop on there every, every day. We're like, Messaging, messaging each other and originally it was just about design and now we've got movies and all this other stuff and it's just kind of become a community um yeah so i think that that's been uh that's been huge just being able to throw up a design i'm working on and have immediate feedback has been awesome man that's great conrad thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show today yeah thanks for having me dave all right ladies and gentlemen that was conrad stell what a great episode thank you so much conrad for being on the show and thank you so much for spending some of your time with us and listening to today's episode now go have an awesome day take care